Father, I thank You for tonight. I believe these are one of those things that You talk about in Your Word, these good works which You prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so I'm here to deliver Your message to these people. And You know what I do not. You know exactly where each one of them is. You know their history. You know the childhoods they grew up in. You know what they got and didn't get from their parents. You know what's going on in their lives right now. You know more about them. And you certainly know what's going on in their marriages or in their relationships. So right now, I just submit myself to you that your will might be done. Uh, Lord Jesus, I pray that your name be lifted up. You are the wonderful counselor. I pray that as you reside in me, that you would uh, speak through me, that you would counsel them as they need to be counseled. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do what you're so great at doing, that you would bring conviction, that you would bring light and truth, that you would anoint this word and this message as I have prayed about it and stewed about it and tried to figure out how to hone this into a simple, concise message that would make a difference, that would have an impact. I pray that right now I just surrender to You and I pray that You would give me the words to speak to these people, to their hearts, that it might truly make a difference for them, that they would walk out of here with what they need and that it would, that it would have an impact, a positive impact on them on their, on their relationships, on their marriage. That for some of them, it would be, that it would be a life-changing thing. That it would illuminate. That it would bring revelation. And, and that, it would, that it, would, it would have the power to do what only you can give it the power to do. And I pray and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um. Since many of y'all were not here on Sunday, uh, I showed a couple of clips from uh, an episode of a nighttime drama series called 30-something, which uh, came out in 1987 and, was, and, and ran for seven years. It was a great, uh, it was a great drama series. Very well done. Uh, you'll recognize a couple of the actors that you're going to see in some of the clips I'm going to show you tonight. And uh, we introduced the couple through two clips that we showed on Sunday, Nancy and Elliot. Nancy and Elliot uh, have been married for 12 years. They got six years old and three years old. And he's got his own advertising agency. And what you're not going to see right now, but I'm just going to kind of review what happened in their first counseling session. I actually remembered this episode and actually got one of my assistants to go find the series. So I have the complete first, series, uh, first season of 30-something now. And this comes from an episode number 11 called Therapy. And it's called Therapy because Nancy and Elliot, in this one 47-minute episode, of 30-something, go into therapy four times. So what you're going to see, what you saw Sunday and what you're going to see tonight is excerpts 
of them being in therapy than talking to their best friends before and after these sessions. And what I'm going to do is kind of make my points through their story. So in the first counseling session, which you're not going to see tonight, um, Nancy, about halfway through the session, says, is this what we're really supposed to be talking about? And then she says to the counselor, Elliot is really very unhappy with our sex life. For those of you who were here on Sunday, we edited that out. We had to make it the the G version for the Sunday crowd. But she says, Elliot's very unhappy with our sex life. And then he looks at her like he's very mad that she just aired their dirty laundry in front of a counselor. He's got a little bit of pride, and he's not thrilled to death about being there. Most men aren't. Uh, And then... She looks at him and she says, well, you never missed the opportunity to let me know how you feel. And then she looks back at the counselor and says, he doesn't think I meet his needs. And then she goes on to say about Elliot talking to him, you're miserable every day, insulting, complaining, and angry. Then Elliot retorts, you don't know what I'm thinking. You don't care. You don't want me to think. You won't be happy until everything is just the way Nancy wants it. And then it goes on and uh, Elliot says, I guess we could just go on like this. And Nancy says, no, we can't just go on like this. And the counselor then says, without giving them any solution, he says, you want to set up a regular time to talk about these things? And Nancy is, you know, they opened the can of worms now. All these feelings are out. And she says, well, what do we do between now and next time, you know? And she seems really nervous. And the counselor says, I think, I think that what you're saying is you're angry, and that's scary. And Nancy says, what if that's all there is, anger? And the counselor says, I don't think that's all there is, or you wouldn't be here. And before we watch the clip of counseling session number two, I want to just make a point to you that's very important and I want you to think about as you begin to watch their stories. Because already they're talking about needs and unmet needs. Okay? You know, Elliot thinks I don't meet his needs. And then Elliot's saying, it's always what Nancy wants. In other words, my needs don't get met. It's always what Nancy wants. Keep this in mind as you continue to watch, that underneath every frustration that you have, there's an unmet need. The question is, what is it? What is it that you want or need that's not being met? And I would say, underneath every frustration that your spouse has with you, there's an unmet need. So my question to you would be, what do you think it is that they need that's not getting met? What is it that you think they want? Okay? So let's now... Watch as they go into counseling session number two. We've edited out the first part of it uh, as Elliot was relating some examples, but we include the second part and then we include also a part that we edited out on Sunday. So 
For those of you all on Sunday, you're not going to see exactly the same thing. For those of you that hadn't seen it at all, here we go. This is when they go into counseling session number two. Let's see what happens. I just think in these days, you don't quit a job when you're making really good money to start your own company, which might ruin us. I mean, Michael and Elliot had no experience doing this before. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We had won two awards, two awards, and we had three separate accounts that were promised us. I they, mean, that's a great start. They were local awards. Oh, excuse me. They forgot my Cleo this year. I mean, what have you won lately? No, I, I'm just saying that it's a risky thing to do. Uh, you, you know, you didn't have any faith in me. That's no, what it was. No, no. I, I and was you worried did, about the You did not have any faith no, in faith me. No, faith has nothing to do about it. What I do you mean, mean faith has nothing to do with it? That's the whole idea of what we're doing here, Nancy. Wait a minute. Am I crazy? I mean, am I crazy? I mean, I'm doing something that I've dreamed about for a long time, no, and she doesn't trust I, me I at all. I have had the same car for seven years. Because and you enjoy being no, cheap, no, Nancy. That's not Don't what lay it that is. on anything else. You have else. to have everything you want when you want it. That's true. You know, what's interesting is that for every accusation, there's a counter-accusation, and each one seems plausible in its own way. I guess it could go on that way forever. What's, what's that mean? It could go on that way forever, and... Neither of you would be any closer to getting what you want from each other. <laughs> Did you actually yell at each other there, or what? Sometimes we yell, sometimes we just schmooze. Do you think it's helping? Have you actually tried this junk? I mean, I wouldn't feed it to my cat, and I hate cats. Is it helping Nancy? No, I guess, you know, it's taking some of the pressure off. I mean... I feel like I want to get something from her, but I don't know what it is. Sex? Nah. I mean, well, it could be, but... I mean, after 12 years of marriage, what's sex supposed to be like, anyway? You tell me. Well, it used to be great. I mean, I used to feel sorry for other people because they weren't like us. I mean, I used to look in the mirror with her and think, how did this beautiful girl ever get fool enough to be with me? Well, what happened? Anyway, she's not that beautiful. You just, you know, ugly. Happened. Mountains were down. Ice ages came and went. She lost interest. I didn't matter anymore. Now I think she just likes to see me squirm. I won't make the mistake of asking how many of y'all can relate to that, because then you really need counseling. We have a sign-up table, by the way. If if we if I make your marriage worse, we do have a sign-up table in the foyer. On your way out. The counselor's last two statements before the little interchange between Michael and Elliot in the office, when he said, you know what's interesting is that for every accusation, there's a counter-accusation. And each one seems plausible in its own way. I guess it could go on that way forever, and neither of you would be any closer to getting what you want from each other, what you need from each other. That pretty much gives a good synopsis of what I see are two of the most typical problems in marriages. One, which we talked about the first session on Sunday, is that couples blame each other for their marital problems. They, they take each other's inventory more than their own. And two, which is what we're talking about tonight, which is that one or both of the people in the marriage feel like they're not getting their needs met. So the problem that we're going to talk about tonight, problem number three, 
in this series, because we're taking, for each of the five sessions, I'm taking one typical problem that couples deal with and give, stating the problem and then giving you the solution. Problem number three is what I call selfishness and unmet needs. I put them together. I, uh, first part, selfishness, is I think we're all prone to be selfish. We're all prone to think of ourselves. Now, some of us would say, no, I'm always putting other people's needs before mine, and it looks like you're giving your, up your life for another person. You know, Christians do that if they come from love, and sometimes God can empower us to do that, but that also is what codependents do. Sometimes codependents look like they're being real loving and laying down their life, but really they're not loving from a pure heart or from pure motives. They're, they're not coming from love. They're, they're doing nice things, laying down their life, hoping and, and, and yearning for love. They're doing it in order to get love. They're not coming from love, which is not healthy. Okay? So selfishness is just thinking about yourself and being self-centered. Uh, I once saw a little cartoon in a marriage counseling journal where it, it had a couple that was seated you know, on a, on, on a couch, and then the counselor was sitting behind his desk, and each of the couple had a little T-shirt on where it says, I, and then it had a heart, me. I love me. And the caption underneath the uh, picture was, ah, I think I see the problem. In other words, he's thinking about getting his needs met, she's thinking about getting her needs met, so neither one of them is getting their needs met. And, you know, if you think back about what you saw in this, they talked about what some of their needs are. When, when Nancy says, I, I think you don't, you shouldn't just quit a job, you know, until you have another one. And, you know, Elliot's taking offense because he thinks that she ought to be encouraging him and supporting him. What Nancy is needing is security. She, she's afraid and she needs security. Elliot, when he says you don't, you didn't have any faith in me, what, what is he needing? He's needing encouragement. He's needing her to support him, to, to believe in him. Um, when Nancy says, and I've had the same car for seven years, Elliot accuses her of being cheap. She's saying, what she's saying is, you know, I'm always putting my needs aside for what you want. In other words, she thinks he's selfish. And she's saying, you don't consider my needs. In other words, it shouldn't be me having to beg for a car you should be looking to see that I need a car and, and think about me before you go buy yourself a new truck. And then the counselor says it could go on this way forever and neither one of you could be closer to getting what you want from each other. Remember what I said? Underneath every frustration, there's a desire and a request. One of the things that I regularly teach couples to do and I have materials out on the table that take this into much greater detail, is to learn to convert frustrations into desires and behavior change requests. In other words, if my frustration is I don't like it when you spend money without consulting me, 
my desire or need underneath that is I want us to be in partnership when it comes to finances. I want to feel like we're a team. But then there's a request. So I want you to follow the budget and consult me before spending amounts of money that's not budgeted. Okay, my frustration. I don't like it when you interrupt me. Aggravates the living daylights out of me when you don't let me finish talking. What's my need or desire underneath that frustration? To be heard, to be understood. So what's the request? I want you to listen to what I say all the way through without interrupting. And then ask me if I want feedback before you just chime in and start telling me what to do. Like do that mirroring thing, that reflective listening that Dudley teaches in his seminars. You, you with me? Underneath every frustration, there's a desire and a request. So you need to learn how to, when your spouse is just spewing out a frustration, it would be really good to ask them, what is it that you need from me? What is it that you need? And when you're frustrated with your spouse, before you go vent your frustration and tell them what you don't like, which you'll probably do the wrong way and not the right way. There's a right way and a wrong way to do that. And that's beyond the scope of tonight. I, you know, If you want to get some really good information on communication, I got a great DVD uh, small group study called Communication 401, which talks about all this in detail. Eight, nine lessons on just communicating. But before you go vent your frustration, you ought to think about what is it that you need? What is it that you need or desire that you're not getting? And say that. And then make a request rather than just blast them for how you're feeling. You're frustrated and your frustration comes out and you say your frustration and then you get in an argument, but you never really say what you need. You never really say what you want them to do. I thought it was really great in the conversation between Michael and Elliot after their session, you know, they're talking about, you know, Michael's saying, uh, do you think it's helping? Elliot's saying, yeah, it's taking some of the pressure off. And then he makes an interesting statement. He says, I feel like I want to get something from her, but I don't know what it is. And Michael says, sex? And Elliot says, nah, well, it could be. But after 12 years of marriage, what's sex supposed to be like? Well, what is sex supposed to be like after 12 years of marriage and two kids? I can tell you what it's not supposed to be like. It's not supposed to be like it, they show on TV and they show in the pornographic films. It's not like that after two kids and a job when it happens at the end of the day when you're tired. Isn't it interesting that after we've been married 12 years that sex... Sexual intimacy, which probably brought a lot of us together at the beginning of a marriage that wanes with time and it changes after 12 years and two kids and fatigue and hormones and jobs and, you know, no time together and no dates and you wonder why your spouse doesn't warm up to you and doesn't just shift gears. And it, it's relegated to the last 30 minutes of the day when you are depleted. And that's when you're supposed to be romantic. I wonder why it's not the same as it was when in the beginning. Gee, I wonder why it's so different 
why it doesn't feel the same, why we don't spend, you know, time with foreplay and talking and all that stuff. We're worried about getting ready for a job. We're worried about sleeping. We're worried about the kids waking up in the middle of the night. We're tired. We're aggravated with each other. We have many resentments which have built up over the years that have never gotten talked about. You treated me like dirt when you walked in. You didn't even tell me hello. We didn't even talk to each other. And then we plop into bed and give me some loving, baby. Come on, like do it like they were doing it on TV the other night, you know? What's the matter with you? So Elliot says, I feel like I, w- I want to get something from her, but I don't know what it is. You know what? He doesn't know what it is. He thinks it's sex. And, you know, part of it is sex. But that's not all he needs. That's not all he wants. What I find is a lot of people have difficult, they have great difficulty when they're pressed to tell you what they really need. A lot of people have trouble identifying what it is they need or want or desire. And for the purposes of tonight, I'm not going to make a distinction between wants, needs, and desires. The truth of it is, if you look up the definitions of all three, they're so similar. I do think there's a difference between wants and needs. But for this purpose, let's just talk about desires, something that you would like. Elliot doesn't know. He's not sure. So how is Nancy going to meet his needs if he himself is not even sure what he needs? And then there are some people, they can identify what they need. Like you know what you need, you know how you feel and what you need. Some people, like they don't know what they feel, they can't identify what they feel and need. But other people know what they feel and need, they have trouble expressing it. And that, that, that's for a lot of reasons. Maybe they're afraid of expressing it because they don't know how the other person's going to react or they're afraid of rejection or, you know, they, they lack assertiveness. You know, uh, they feel guilty about saying what they need. They don't know how to take care of themselves. Uh, they don't think that they should have feelings or needs. They think that they're wrong for feeling the way that they do. You know, and that's a whole nother problem. But there can be all kinds of factors involved going on here. Both of them have unmet needs. Uh, Sex is not what it ought to be. It's not what it used to be. And then what Elliot does, this is his interpretation. She lost interest. It didn't matter anymore. And now I just think she likes to see me squirm. Do you think that's really what she wants to see? Do you think that's really what's going on? Suppose he really thinks that. Truth of it is, after 12 years, we all like, after a series of hurts and disappointments and unresolved conflicts, we all like, you know, put up a little bit of a wall and guard our hearts. And it's like, sometimes we'll even get to the point where we won't, you know, we'll be having an argument with our spouse and it's like, we know what they're going to say before they even say it. So like, we're, we're arguing uh, knowing how they are, like we have this attitude that they are a certain way and that they, they're they that way. And it's not really that they're that way. It's just that we have concluded that they're that way because we've been living with them for 12 years and we've interpreted everything the way we've interpreted it. So what happens is you like cop an attitude. 
And your attitude begins to affect your feelings, and then you stop giving. You stop trying to meet the other person's needs. You start saying, yeah, I'll try. I'll, I'll, I'll start meeting your needs when you meet my needs. And this is kind of like the point that they've gotten to. So problem number two is selfishness and unmet needs. One of the main reasons why couples have affairs and get divorced is because they feel like they don't get their needs met. One of the main reasons why that lead to inappropriate relationships that can go and end up in divorce. It's one of the main reasons, men, why your wives talk to their parents and their girlfriends and their sister all the time more than you. Why they get on Facebook, because you don't talk to them. But then I have a guy that I was seeing in my office, and he said, well, Dully, the reason I go spend time with the cows and the hay and do this and that is because she's always on her phone or on Facebook. So if she'd get off of that, then I'd stop doing what I'm doing. And she's saying, well, if, if you'd be home more, I wouldn't have to get on my phone and Facebook all the time. You know, and on and on. For every accusation, there's a counter-accusation. It could go on this way forever, and neither of you would be any closer to getting what you need from each other. And that's why I got a job. Job security. So let's look into counseling session number three as they continue to talk about these unmet needs, and let's see what happens. This is clip number three. I really do. I just don't know what that means anymore. What would that mean? I mean, how would you want things to be better? More and more excitement, I guess. I mean, more experimenting. Like it used to be, you know? I just, you know, you know I, the other day I heard this thing about Ellen. And she has a tattoo on her tush. Come on, yeah, Ellen. Yeah, and I thought that was like so obscene, and, and it was so great. Uh, Ellen, oh no! <laughs> it's like like last night. No, I was exhausted last night. I mean, I mean, Britty has been getting. I knew she was going to get up all night because she's been having all these nightmares, and and you were grabbing and insisting. Wait, I wasn't insisting. I, I, I just mean, wanted. I mean, one night it's one thing, and then the next night you want me to, uh, uh, you know, or or wear something. Fine. I mean, whatever it is, it it, it doesn't matter because it's not ever about what I want. It, it it it's always about but what you want. I mean, what does Elliot want? Elliot, I, I, where is that supposed to stop? What do you want? I don't know, just to be left alone sometimes. Is that all you want, sexually? Oh, God, no. No, I mean, I want things. But, um, I, 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 don't, I don't even ask because, El I mean, I am so exhausted at the end of the day, that I don't usually even remember that I am a sexual person. Whose fault is that? Oh, it's not about fault, Elliot. We have two kids that I take care of. I mean, I spend my whole day talking about Rainbow Bright and, and, and Transformers and, and wondering if Britty has had enough milk or something. I mean, all I'm saying is that I need some help in changing gears. Is that asking too much? I mean, I am sorry. I am not like the women in the porno films who don't need any help. You wouldn't even watch it. No, wait, I tried to 
watch it. No, but you I can there was a big turn off to me. It just made my flesh crawl. I mean, those women are not real women. They're robots. Why? Because they don't mind making see, men happy. Why? If you had Why? any sexual or emotional maturity, you would understand the difference. That's all. What? 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 What's the point in even going? I mean, it's obvious I'm a bad person. What's no. the point in even going on here? No, it's not what I'm saying. What you're saying is, is, is that I'm a pervert. That's what you're saying. You think she's saying that? Look, what does it matter what she's saying? What she's saying is she doesn't want me. No, I am not saying that. You say that every day. You say that every day when I come home. You're not glad to see me. It's here. Take the kids. No. And then if I, if I try to touch you or if... If I want to touch you, it's, it's like, what does Elliot want? Elliot, what does Elliot want? Don't you want me? I mean, I don't mean anything. I mean, I, I, you, you fight me, Nancy. You just, you do, no, you fight no, me. No, no, I'm not no you fight I'm me, not you do. You fight me now, you fight me right now. Nancy, you fight me right now. Can't you stop for one second? I mean, what is it, why am I? I mean, I can't believe I'm this awful person, Ellie, this kind of evil person. Ellie, 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 I don't. I don't. I, I don't. Don't you hit him with that. What? Sun feels so good. Carbohydrates and sodium. Have some. You do work this afternoon. I do. This guy who got divorced last month wants portraits of his kids. Three o'clock at the Liberty Bell. I hope it's not Elliot next month. Elliot, tell all. What do I know? She doesn't tell me anything. Do you ask her? Gary said Michael said they fight all the time. They don't fight. Hey, how are you? Have a pretzel. Thanks. She just yeah. fell asleep. Oh, yeah. Is this work or play? Oh, I uh, don't have to be anywhere for about half an hour. Thought I'd stop by and see what real life is like. <laughs> How's Elliot? He's fine. How's counseling going? Melissa! All right, I'm sorry. They scheduled my three sessions a week for the rest of my life the day I was born. I don't know what privacy is anymore. Yes, I don't want to think I was saying anything bad or... It's okay, it's okay. I mean, it's not like we've been keeping our problems to ourselves lately. So is this person helping? Nicholson? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I really think that he is. I, I mean, it's not that things have changed that much. It's just that I, I think we're beginning to really understand what it is we do to each other. Like, what do you do to each other? I mean, it, it's hard to think. Um, I, I mean, um, see, Elliot is a really angry person. He is? All the time. You don't get that from him. I guess he just saves it for me. But he thinks that I'm really controlling. I don't see you as controlling. Neither do I. Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's just the way people do things to each other. I'm, I mean, this is really silly. What? Well, when I do the laundry, I just noticed this the other day. I always leave his clean stack right on the bed. I mean, I have lived with this man for 12 years. I know where he keeps his jock straps. And, it's like I'm trying to make some point by not doing that for him. And he complains about that? No, 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 that, that's not it. it it's, it's just... Well, I mean, 
I, I was just thinking. What point is she trying to make? Well, I would say, what, what does she need? What does he need? You know, I said that one of the main reasons people leave their marriage is because they're not getting their needs met. The scary truth is that if you stay married long enough, whether in small ways or huge ones, your spouse, no matter how good they are or how hard they try, are going to hurt, disappoint you, and fail to be there for you in the way that you need. They can't totally make up for what you didn't get as a child. They can't be God and meet all of your needs. And they won't even meet all of your needs or some of your needs all the time. Even in the best scenario. And although many people will conclude it's because their spouse doesn't love them anymore, I dare say the reason, the real reason is we're just all selfish. We're human and we're selfish by nature. And we're just flawed individuals. You know, and, and the fact is, you know, I've been married 28 years, 52 years of life. Um, you're not going to get your needs met all the time. And I tell you, if you stay with someone long enough, if you haven't experienced this already, you will eventually. Because it's going to happen. Elliot needs sex. Yes, but he needs also to feel desired by Nancy. He, he also needs her to believe and trust in him. I believe he needs a lot of other things that he's not even aware of. I'm going to talk about it in a minute. Nancy undoubtedly needs rest and help with the children and the chores, but she also needs to feel valued and appreciated by the man that she chose to spend her life with. I wonder, I asked you before, what do you need from your spouse? And what do you think that they need from you? You know, just to kind of give you an idea, and you can go look up all this stuff online if you want to. You know, just think of the five love languages. You know, time, touch, words, service, and gifts. Do you need time and attention? Quality time and attention? That's my number one. Do you need touch? You know, physical touch, affection, kisses, hugs? You know, and, and the truth of it is you need to learn to practice physical affection that is not necessarily connected to sex. One of the reasons why Nancy, Elliot is experiencing Nancy rejects him is because every time, she associates every time he touches her and hugs her that he wants sex. And she doesn't want sex all the time. But she might be open to getting hugs and touches and physical affection if it didn't have to always lead to sex. You see what I'm saying? That's one of their problems, and you can see that later on. Um, what about um, words? You know, some people need to talk. They need, you know, you may not need to talk, but your spouse may need to talk. To be heard, to be listened to, to have their feelings affirmed. What about praise? Now, why does she leave the stack of clothes there on the, on the bed? I think part of the reason is she wants him to appreciate the fact that she did that. 
I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying it points to a need. What, what's the need there? Don't you want to feel appreciated, accepted, approved of by your spouse? And then acts of service. You know, some people experience love by, by your spouse doing things for you. You know, the honeydew list that it, you know, if, if there's things that I need done and you do them for me, it makes me feel loved. Some people experience love through gifts. You know, you think of something that your spouse wants and you give it to them or you surprise them with a little something. Uh, not just flowers, but something special that you know that they want. And then, you know, I was reading a book, two books that I'm going to recommend before I forget. One is called The Journey of Desire, written by John Eldridge, which is a great book about needs and living from your heart, in a, even in a world where you, your heart is assaulted and you don't get what you need. How do you keep living from your heart and not put up walls and, and not lose heart in spite of the fact that we don't get our needs met? Great book. And then another book, which is called Surfing for God, Discovering Divine Desire Beneath Sexual Struggle, written by a guy named Michael John Cusick. Uh, He has a ministry called Restoring the Soul. He works with ministry leaders and works with couples and individuals. One of his specialties is sexual addiction and guys that have struggled with pornography and that kind of thing. But this book, John Eldridge endorsed this book and said, every man ought to read this book. Give it to every man you know. John Eldridge has endorsed three books in his whole life. This is one of them. And I I read this book. I'm reading it for the second time. I went and spent a week with this guy. Not about pornography. This guy is a skilled therapist. He does a lot of things and works with people with a lot of different issues. But this is a, a great book to address a lot of the areas of these videos that you're going to see that I don't have time to talk about tonight, the pornography, sex, you know, what may really may be going on besides, uh, you know, you think you need sex. And he, he says that all lust it comes from disordered desire. In other words, you have needs and feelings that are going on inside of you that you disconnect from or you disown, and it shows up in negative ways. Or... Um, you really need certain things, but sex becomes a substitute. You don't get true intimacy or nurturing, so sex becomes a substitute for what you really need. And that's good to know for men and women, because men and women both struggle with it, and even though you may not struggle with it, your spouse might. So another great resource. But in this book, he talks about seven core thirsts um, and you could probably look at look his name up online and find these online. And I want you to just think about what do you need and what your spouse may need. One is attention. I long for people to like me. I long for your embrace. Two, affection. I long to be enjoyed. I long to be delighted in. I long for you to take pleasure in who I am. Number three, affirmation. I long to know I have what it takes. I long for your blessing. Number four, acceptance. I long to belong. I long to be desired. Number five, satisfaction. I long for fullness. I long for well-being. Number six, significance. I long for impact. I long for meaning. I long to be powerful. Number seven, I long for security, to know that I will be okay. 
Think of the five love languages in these to try to figure out what it is you really need and what your spouse really needs. Now, let's take this a step further and go into three, three other little clips. This is clip four, where you're going to see that Nancy is going to make an effort. You know, I said you need to, you know, you need to try to meet your spouse's needs. She's going to make an effort and let's see how it goes. Nancy? Just, just a minute. Where are the kids? Uh, Carla took them for hamburgers. What, I walk into a Doris Day movie here? I was thinking more of Noel Coward. <laughs> you, you know, put your feet up. Darling, how, how was your day? Could, could I get you a drink, you know, something like that? Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> you look great. Yeah. Thanks. Are we supposed to be at Michael's? Yeah, but the game doesn't start until 8. So, how was your day? <sighs> I'm exhausted. Janine couldn't find the contract for the Starlight Dairy account. Michael finally dug him up there, filed under M for milk. Oh, God, not <laughs> really. I swear to God. <laughs> so it's a shame we have to go out. I mean, we could just stay here and watch the game. Well, maybe Carla would take care of the kids. I mean, do you think they'd leave us alone? Probably not. Still, I, I'm not sure that oh. this isn't an opportunity we can afford to miss. Yes, I sure as I can get this oh, blast. I'm sorry. <laughs> Boy, I am so hungry. Do we have any pretzels or anything? You need to get the kids away. You need to get them out of the bed. You need to have a date once a week with your spouse. No kids, no friends, no family, no business. 24 hours alone once a month. No business, no friends, no family. But you need to bring your spouse. Um, 20, uh, a weekend alone once a quarter and a week alone once a year. So I can't afford that, though. I mean, you can't. That's not realistic. Well, you can pay. You can pay for a hotel. You can pay for meals, or you can come pay me. Or a divorce. I mean, you know, you decide. I'll let you watch how they process it in their next counseling session. Clip number six. I put on the clothes that he wanted, and I opened a bottle of champagne. And. You tell me. I was tired. What do you want from me? I mean, I come home. This is too great. This is this is this is really too great. I mean, she's allowed to say she's tired anytime she wants. I do it once and forget it. I mean, so much for the end of the double standard. Were you tired? I just said I was tired. Too tired to have sex. What is this? I'm just wondering what went through your mind when you came home and you saw Nancy dressed like that. You know, the champagne. I don't know. I mean, I was I was fine. Was it stimulating? 
I don't know. I don't know if it was stimulating. I mean, I, I, I guess I got a little turned on. Why don't you ask her something? I'm just wondering if you were turned on, why you think you didn't do anything about it? Look, if I did something about it every time I got turned on, we would have been divorced a long time ago. She'd have thought I was some kind of no, pervert that's or something. Not true. Come on. No, why don't you try? Why, why don't you try and, and come home and act, act like you do for Michael and, and the cute girls at the office? I mean, act like you... Instead of, of coming in like, like that's the last place in the world that you want to be. Why don't you try? I did try. I tried last night and I was insulted and humiliated. See, nothing... I, I do seems to be enough for you. Am I supposed to switch gears just like that? I mean, after all you've put me through, all the cutting me down, all the, all the pushing me away, for years and years. I mean, is one night supposed to take care of all that? It went both ways, Elliot. We lost each other. And you can't go back and figure out who's to blame. We were both to blame. But we have got to try and start somewhere. In the beginning of a relationship, it's easy to give. We all tend to put our best foot forward. Uh, we ignore the negatives. We try really hard to please our mate. But over time, they disappoint us. They hurt us. And then we may put up a wall to protect ourselves. If we feel like they're not trying hard enough to meet our needs, we stop trying to meet theirs, thinking, I'll try when they do. Ever been there? What's the solution to this? Quite simply... We look at God's Word, which pretty much says it exactly the way that it needs to be said. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 5 says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another, your spouse, as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others, your spouse. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. So what's the solution? Consider your spouse's needs as more important than your own. I want you to just try that for three weeks. In all areas. In the morning, in the evening, when you come home. When you have sex, when you watch TV, when you play on the weekends, when you take care of the kids. What would work best is for me to think about what my wife needs and try to meet her needs and for her at the same time to be thinking about my needs and seek to meet my needs. It's not that I shouldn't worry about my needs and that I don't have needs or vice versa. You know, if you think about the two great commandments, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, love your neighbor as yourself, there's really three. Love God, love others, 
as yourself. The implication is you should, in the same way you love yourself, you should love others. Or while you're loving yourself, don't forget to love others. Okay? So it's not that you don't need to worry about getting your needs met. But the Bible is funny that it never emphasizes getting our needs met. What it does, all of God's commandments, I'm going to make another assertion, you go test it. All of God's commandments reveal needs that need to be met. For example, when it says to the husband, love your wife as Christ loved, the wife needs love. When it says to the wife, respect your husband, the husband needs respect. When it says, encourage one another and stimulate one another good needs, we need encouragement and stimulation. Okay, when, when it says in the Scripture, your body is not your own, but your spouses don't deprive one another except for a time. What that means is that there's a need there. There's a sexual need there. When it, when it says to love one another as I have loved you, and then it defines love as patient, kind, forgiving, humble, selfless, optimistic, then we need to have people be patient with us, to forgive us, to nurture us. In other words, needs are real. But the focus ideally should be on meeting your spouse's needs, thinking of their needs at, at least as important as yours or more important than yours. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but their interests also. So Cody, Cody, skip number seven and go to number eight. Clip number eight, what I want you to watch is what can happen when you apply some of this. And then I'll wrap it up in two minutes. No, no, hey, hey, come on, come on. You guys are driving me nuts. You're going to bomb me. You're driving me nuts is what you're doing. Come on, that's it. Let's go to the park. Let's go to the park. Ice cream. Ice cream. That's right. Hot dogs. Ice cream. Yeah. Come on. No, you do something good for yourself, okay? You relax. No cleaning. I'll do it later. I think so. Here we go. Passed out when Cinderella lost her shoe. Maybe you better take her to her room. Nah, I like watching her sleep. Thanks for giving me some time this afternoon. I haven't given you much of anything else lately.
besides the fact that God commands it, there's some very practical reasons why this works. Number one, it breaks us of our selfishness and self-centeredness. Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. You can't know that until you do it. Number two, if you focus more on meeting their needs than your own, you are actually more likely to get what you need in the long run. Not always. There's exceptions. That's part of the reason we have counseling. If, if you're in one of those situations or you got one of the exceptions to the rule, if you're sitting there thinking, yeah, Dolly, but you don't know my situation, you need to talk to a counselor. But you're more likely to get what you need in the long run if you focus on meeting that other person's needs. And then number three, by focusing to meet their needs, it will generate and regenerate an experience of love on both sides of the marriage equation strong enough to melt even some of the most thickest walls. And that's exactly what you saw happen up there. It's not like they don't both have hurts and walls and all of those things. They do. It's not like this just erases it all and makes it all better. It doesn't. But after this, they're going to be much more likely to be able to sit down and talk than they were when you first saw them. If you got some of this going on. You know, uh, no way United States and Russia are going to sit down and negotiate a treaty at the height of the Cold War. There's no trust. There's no positive feelings. So, you know, when I get couples in counseling... One of the things that I, I like to do, if I can, can't always do it, is to get them to do some of this stuff and start meeting each other's needs and focusing on the positive. You know, when she said, you know, we're both to blame, it went both ways, we've got to start somewhere. It's always better and easier to focus on how you want things to be and set goals and move in that direction rather than trying to resolve the past. There's a time and a place and a way to talk about things that happened in the past and how to resolve them. We're going to get into some of that next week. But it's much easier and it feels better to say, like, how do we want it to be? And let's, how do you want it to be? How do I want it to be? And let's both work on trying to make it be the way we want it to be. Because if you can make things be the way you want them to be or more the way you want them to be, there's not as much reason to hold on to the past anymore. It's much easier to let go of the past. If things are in the present the way you've always wanted them to be, amen? So, in closing, what you need to do is learn to identify and express your own feelings and needs in healthy and productive ways. And then number two, you need to understand your spouse's feelings and needs and strive to meet them. And come back next week when we talk about forgive for good. And the following week, when we talk about Mission Impossible, i got some more great clips. We're going to talk about another couple. You're going to see another couple in action, and you're going to love them and uh, get a lot out of watching them. And the other thing I want to tell you and remind you is you can invite other people, okay? Um, they got child care. This is a great opportunity for people to get some good, good information, some good help without having to pay for it. So y'all bring the people that you know, especially people that are maybe not going to church anywhere. Don't invite them to church. Invite them to a marriage seminar, okay? If they don't want to come in here with the music, let them sit out there until the music's over, and then they can come in and listen to me speak, okay? No big deal. 
But bring, bring someone with you that could benefit from this next week. Amen? God bless you. We'll see you next week.